When there's not alignment on your revenue team, the sales process breaks down and you lose deals you should be winning. Many companies struggle with low trust between marketing, SDR, and sales teams. And rather than collaborating and working to enhance outcomes for the company as a whole, they end up stepping on each other's toes, throwing each other under the bus, or competing for credit, which is never good for the buyer or the company. Kyle Coleman, the CMO at Clary, has experience working across the entire revenue organization. One of his greatest strengths is helping to create alignment by helping teams cultivate empathy for each other and for the buyer. In today's episode, he gives his recommendations on how to be a stellar SDR or SDR leader in today's economic climate. The only thing worse than losing a big deal or missing quota is not knowing why. Here at Closed, we've conducted tens of thousands of buyer interviews for hundreds of B2B companies, and we've uncovered what drives your prospects to buy, not buy, or even churn. In each episode of the Win-Loss Show, we'll show you how you can leverage feedback directly from your buyers to help you increase your win rate, perfect your sales experience, nail your marketing messaging, build the right products, and hit your quota with confidence. Kyle, thanks for joining me here. It's a pleasure to have you. Oh. Thank you so much for having me, Ned. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about this topic. It's something I don't know very much about, so I'm going to be taking out my notepad and learning a lot here. So um, you've got a really interesting career trajectory, career path. It's kind of an interesting combination of sales and marketing. Would you mind just giving giving us a little bit of a background as to what you've done in your career to kind of tee us up for the rest of this conversation? Yeah, sure thing. So my overall philosophy, and this is looking back on my career, I did not know this and it would have been helpful to know at the time. So I try and make sure as many early in career people know as possible. But my philosophy is that career progression in in modern career progression is not a straight ladder that goes up and down. It's very, very rare for you to land your first job out of high school or college or whatever and just rise the ranks in that same job, that same company that you're in. That used to be the case. It no longer is. Career progression these days is much more similar to a rock climbing wall where you start somewhere and you make incremental progress up and maybe you have to make a lateral move across or sometimes even back down until you find the right foothold that allows you to climb the wall. And even when you climb the wall, it's still going to be something of a path. And if you keep that in mind and don't misset this expectation for yourself that you're just immediately going to be skyrocketing up the ranks, you're probably going to enjoy your career a lot more. Um, so... I can say this, of course, looking back and saying, this worked for me, and I, but I've seen it work for so many other people, Nate, that with this mindset, you can be very successful and you can be patient and you can find the right balance between being intentional and being opportunistic. Have a plan, but know that that plan is in all likelihood going to get disrupted. And that, that's certainly what happened to me. I went to college, studied marketing. Don't know why, chose it, thought it was interesting, great. My first job out of college was a pretty traditional sales role. I was a financial advisor. I did month-long sales training in St. Louis, um, learned a whole ton about how to actually sell face-to-face. Wasn't what I thought it was going to be, and I pivoted to move into a marketing uh, role with the U.S. Senate, uh, working on a uh, candidate's campaign, doing all the marketing-type stuff, fundraising for that, and then ended up working for a digital agency, an advertising agency based in San Francisco. And this was my first sort of introduction to B2B technology was at that advertising agency. From there, I, you know, advertising was interesting, but it wasn't exactly uh, what I thought it was going to be. 
and I got an opportunity to go work at a very small startup. I, would, I was the sixth person at a company called Looker, a business intelligence company based in Santa Cruz. And this was where I found the right foothold for me. So the previous three to four years was navigating, learning skills, testing out sales, testing out marketing, learning web design, doing a little bit of consulting, doing a bunch of stuff. And then finally landing at this startup where, okay, this is my speed. I landed in this SDR role. It was right between sales and marketing, as most SDR roles are. And it allowed me to leverage all the skills that I had been building over the previous years, uh, combined with the fact that I have a natural inclination toward helping people. I ended up finding that this role that's right between sales and marketing, that the managerial role of being able to bring other folks on and help them navigate their own career was just a perfect fit for me. So once I found the SDR role, of course, the company I was at made a big difference here. It was a high growth company and, um, and it, the outcome was really good. But landing in that role and knowing that my foundation was set so that I was well prepared to finally start to you know, see some quote unquote career progression was, it was perfect. It was, a, um, it was a really nice coming together of all the things that were interesting and exciting to me, the things that were challenging and fulfilling to me. And that's the path I've been on ever since. I rose the ranks in SDR land, worked very closely with senior marketing leaders, senior sales leaders. I took over top of funnel when I started at Clary. Um, this was back in 2019. And just kind of slowly but surely have taken on more and more responsibility, and which is how I find myself in the role I'm in now, the SVP of marketing at Clary, leading all things marketing, SDR, as well as what we call revenue excellence, which is our enablement and value engineering function. It's such an interesting journey. I don't know if I've ever talked to somebody who has such an interesting blend between the sales world and the marketing world. You know, a lot of times people stick in, in one world and that's just where they stay, but you have this really interesting hybrid career. So throughout your journey, have you, like what's, what's been your take on the roles of sales and marketing with your experience in, in both worlds? Has it evolved? Has it changed? Has your respect for one or the other um, shifted and, and has the way that you see those two departments playing together changed because of your career trajectory? It's such a good question, Nate. And, and I think this is what a lot of people get wrong is that they don't unfortunately develop as much empathy as they need to have for their what should be their cross-functional partners. I was forced to develop this empathy literally because I, when I started my career as an SDR, I reported into marketing. I reported directly to the CMO for about three years at my previous company. And then for the last two years in my previous company, I reported directly to the CRO. So we shifted where the SDR org uh, reported into. And, and so I've had literal time served in both of these different departments. And it's been so great to not just develop the empathy for the people and the work they do and what's hard about it, but also to develop what I call the fluency of language for marketing and for sales, knowing the metrics that matter, knowing what different roles are, knowing what the different people on the team do day to day and what's hard about that for marketing and then the same for sales. And being, being that bridge, and again, this is what I like most about the SCR role is you are forced to be that sort of translation layer, no matter which team you report to, between sales and marketing. It's not just about MQLs. It's not just about revenue. It's about all everything that happens in between and prior and after. And that SDR that's in the middle of that, that can be that translation layer, that can make sure that the marketing team's programs are successful and the sales team's people are successful. It's just a great role to be in. So if you don't have that capacity, that empathy, or that capacity for understanding what those different roles do, and you say, ah, you know, I'm not on the sales team. It's not my job to understand. You're doing yourself a disservice. Go develop a relationship with those people. 
understand their role, understand their challenges on both sides, sales and marketing. And you're going to be just way better served to go and add more value to your business. Well, this is perfect. You can, you can help me right now understand a role a little bit better because I feel like the SDR role has evolved a lot over the years. And today, what's being required of SDRs is very different than what was required, say, five or 10 years ago, or even especially if you go back even further. You know, uh, today, nobody likes giving or receiving phone calls. Most people don't, you know. Uh, you, you've got people now who they just want to see a demo. They don't yeah. want to have like a, a pre-call to kind of screen them. Um, it's a lot of marketing people are saying how SDRs should be brand evangelists. So I'm kind of curious to hear from your perspective as somebody who spent so much time in this SDR uh, role and, and leading these teams and in kind of a hybrid world, uh, if you were an SDR today, what would you be doing to succeed? It's a really good question and a sharp insight. The role is very different than it was when I was doing it. And when I was doing it eight, nine years ago, the mandate back then was sell the meeting. Just do what you can to get the meeting and your work here is done. And that never really felt good enough to me. So it's never totally been the way that I've operated. I, I always wanted more skin in the game, and which has lent itself really well because that's where this SDR role has gone. And so now the expectation that we have for what we call revenue development reps on our team, and certainly the way that I would behave if I were in the role is you have, I believe you have to really understand the product or the solution or the service that you're selling. The more you understand about this, and I don't mean you need to be, you know, sales engineer level, but you need to be able to be at a trade show and give a five minute demo. You have to really know the product that you're selling. You have to know the product, the personas, and the processes that you need to execute. And if you can become proficient across those three P's, they're all P words. If you can become proficient across those three things, the product, the personas, and the processes, you're gonna be really successful in the role. So take the time to study. This is what I would do. Take the time to study the product. Really like embed myself with AEs, watch all the game tape you can watch if you have a conversation intelligence tool, go talk to SEs, understand the narratives that they're weaving when they're giving demos, like really understand the product. Then really understand your personas. Read what they read, listen to the podcast they listen to, go to the trade shows they go to. Whatever you need to do to really under get into the day-to-day -day of those personas, understand the strategies they're responsible for, the metrics they're responsible for, the, the things that, not that keep them up at night, that's a really trite phrase, but the things that are difficult for them and why. That will allow you then to, to execute your processes with all of that context in mind. So that when I'm reaching out to a chief revenue officer, I have some credibility because I know how they'll use my product and I know what matters to them. And I can weave that into my messaging, into my outreach. I'd be far more modern with my outreach than probably I was eight or nine years ago. Short, snappy emails, LinkedIn messages, a lot of video, a lot of voice messages. I would want to try and create video messages that are product walkthroughs. To your point, people want to see the product and if I'm comfortable giving a 30 second demo and I can create a video message with that, it's pretty compelling. So those would be my tactics. Nothing like earth shattering. I don't mean to disappoint you, Nate, if there's not you no. know, some new fancy tactic that's a silver bullet for every outreach campaign, but um, it's just doing the things that other people aren't willing to do. Take the time, put in the time to understand what's gonna resonate, take the time to do some personalized outreach and over the long run, you're gonna be successful. Is every day gonna be great? No. But you, every, every week, every month, the, your results will smooth out. If you're doing things the right way, if you're putting in that next level of effort, 
you're, you're going to be just fine. I love it. We, I sit next to our SDR team and I've started doing this thing. I get cold emails daily as we all do. Yeah. And every so often I'll pull some of our SDRs aside and we'll go over a cold email and I'll say, Hey, what did you like about this? What did you not like? And universally the times where people really take, take a moment to understand what my role is, what I'm up to personalize the, the outreach to me and like really understand my pain they perform better than the ones that are just kind of a canned outreach. So exactly. And people will that. say, well, how, how do you scale that? If I need to do personalized outreach to every single, how can I scale that? And my answer is you don't need to send thousands and thousands of emails every day. Like that's not what this job is. It yeah. never should have been this job. Let's, let's be clear, but it's certainly not the way to do the job today. So this obsession about like massive scale is not the right way to think about this. Like, yes, you need to do a high quantity of outreach. There's a lot of noise out there. You got to break through the noise. But do you need to write a hundred of these personalized messages every day? Or, you know, leave, uh, create a hundred of these personalized videos every day? Probably not. But mm -hmm. there's some quantity element to this that you can achieve once you actually start trying. People use this, the, oh, well, does it scale? They use this as an excuse not to do something as opposed to trying it, getting good at it, building the muscle, and then figuring out, oh, I can do this actually with more quantity than I thought. Um, so it's just like any other muscle. Start small, work your way up, and you will get good at it. it just takes time. This, this is a perfect segue into the next question I wanted to ask you, because I don't think there's an SDR out there who sets a benchmark for themselves of, I need to send out a thousand emails a day, you know? <laughs> um, and, and that, that, that type of thing typically comes from a, a leader, comes from a leadership perspective. Yeah. So if you were running an SDR team today, if you were managing one, what would you be spending your time on? How would you run an SDR team differently than maybe you see some of some other teams being run today? And so I'm fortunate to work with what I, what I truly believe is the best SDR team. Again, we call them RevDev, uh, RDR team I've ever worked with. And, and seeing the way that our directors and managers manage the team is, is pretty impressive. And I think something that we focus on that, that I would recommend every SDR and every SDR manager focus on is not just the activity metrics themselves, but rather the conversion rate metrics that exist. Mm -hmm. So for example, it's not about how many emails you send. It's about how many replies you get. And of those replies you get, it's obviously about how many meetings you set, how many opportunities you create. So if you get your reply rate and then of your replies, you get your meeting booked rate or your op created rate, those are the right conversion metrics to look at. And then you can do the same thing for all the core activities that your team is executing. So the emails you send, the calls you make, the video messages, the social touches, if you can engineer the right kind of conversion rate waterfalls for each of those things, then what every individual SDR can do is they can what we call design your week. They can go into the week and it's saying, I know that my meeting book rate or my reply rate is 10% and my meeting book rate from those emails is 40%. I'm trying to get two meetings this week for an email. Therefore, I need to send X number of emails. Mm. I can do the same thing with calls. I know that my conversation rate is 15%. So I need to, and when I get somebody on the phone, I get a meeting a quarter of the time. So I need to make X number of calls this week in order to achieve my meeting goal. And you can go all, all the way through that and empowering people with that understanding of, it's not just about executing and making dials for the sake of it. It's about being thoughtful, taking an omni-channel approach, and ensuring that you are, again, designing your week so that you can go and execute all the different volumes that you need to execute across all the different key activity areas in order to achieve your meeting goal. So it's 
not, it's somewhat scientific. It's not the most advanced math in the world. It's just taking the time to understand what those conversion rates are, empowering the team to think. And then, and this is something we do very differently. And you mentioned like top-down mandates. Don't really believe in those because everybody is different. Some people are really good on the phone. Some people are really good via email. I, they, they need to each do a little bit of both. Don't get me wrong. But I'm not going to force the really good phone person to go and spend their entire week sending emails. Just doesn't make sense. I want them spending a disproportionate amount of their time on the phone. And so when they are designing their week, it's an individual exercise that allows them to kind of skate toward their strengths a little bit while they still execute the full omni-channel approach. So mm. individual freedom, individual autonomy within a framework is the name of the game. Wow, that's really awesome. I love that you're working backwards with your numbers, like thinking, what are the number of calls I need to, to make to get an, the, the appointments that, I, that I've set for myself? And I love that you're allowing um, your reps to like play to their strengths. It's, it's, what, it's so funny about it, Nate, is we expect our SDRs to use their brains. We hire people to think. We don't hire them just to thoughtlessly I know, isn't this, it's amazing, what a concept. And so empowering them to know that they're the master of their own domain, they control their own destiny. Yeah, we're gonna train, we're gonna be training, we'll give you frameworks and all this, but it's up to you. You have to want to do the work. And if you're designing your week, if you're thoughtful, if you're uh, confident in the outcomes you're gonna generate, then you're gonna be more likely to go and put in maximum effort and, that, and, and think while you're doing it, be strategic. Um, close that kind of credibility gap that sometimes exists between SDRs and AEs by showing the AE that you're thinking about the work you're doing, that you're doing the research, that you understand the product, you understand the personas, and you're thinking about your process. And that's a way that uh, SDRs become that strategic partner with the folks that they're paired with instead of just, you know, that secretary that's executing tasks. Now, this role can be very demanding. Is there anything that you do to keep your, your team motivated or to um, keep them from getting burned out? Yes. So I, I think a lot of tech companies have this uh, false promise of unlimited time off. And we have unlimited time off as well, Clary. The difference is that we mandate time off. A okay. minimum, minimum of three weeks off a year that's in addition to all the mental health days and all the national holidays and all the things that the company gives us because it's so easy to get burnt out, Nate. It's so easy. Like in this job, you can do this job as, as effectively as anybody. And if you only hear no, like 95% of the time, you're doing something really right. So 19 out of 20 times, you're gonna get rejected or beaten down or something like that. And that weighs on you. And you have to have things in your life that will recharge the batteries. And taking time off, not thinking about work is a mandate that we have. We also, so that's one thing, make sure people are taking time off. The other thing I would say is that we celebrate everything. We don't necessarily just celebrate like, oh, you got the opportunity or this meeting closed or this opportunity closed or whatever. Like, yes, that, that too. We celebrate the process. When mm -hmm. somebody writes a really good email, that means just as much to me as when somebody books a meeting from that email. I want to make sure that people enjoy the process because if you enjoy the process, you're going to do the work the right way. And so the management team has a responsibility to, especially in a virtual world, it becomes hard, but the management team has a responsibility to create the forums for that celebration and make sure that people are sharing their best work and that your managers and that your VPs and that everybody is, has visibility into that and is celebrating that, that output, whatever it is. Um, and if you can do that, you get them the cadence of rewarding the right behavior 
not necessarily rewarding the right outcomes. That's how you can keep people motivated to keep putting in the hard work. Man, you know human psychology. That that's I mean that's what gets people motivated. You reward you reward effort, not outcomes. Exactly. Um, and, and yeah, that's amazing. I love that answer. I have one last uh, big question for you, and then maybe um, maybe one more if we can tack it on the end. So SDRs are kind of the the heartbeat of any revenue generating machine. You know, they're setting the appointments, they're hustling, they're getting all the no's so that they can get some yeses. What are some things that uh, the sales organization and especially even the marketing organization can do to better support and encourage and enable SDRs to do good work? It's such a good question. I, we've gone over some tactics, so I'll try and answer this a little mm -hmm. bit differently. Um, yeah. Empower the SDR team, the marketing team, should empower the SDR team to create a feedback loop. The, what's so great about the SDR, you're on the front lines. You're having the majority of the conversations. You're talking to the people that have consumed your marketing team's content and, and have reacted to it. Now, the, what the marketing team needs to do is be intentional about soliciting feedback from the SDRs to know, how is this messaging landing? Like, what did that person have to say about that event that we did? Well, what kind of feedback can we get so that we can change our programs? And that, again, I'll use this phrase again, create a strategic partnership with the SDRs. They are treasure troves of information that more often than not is not acted upon because marketing mm -hmm. teams either don't create form for it or don't take it seriously or don't even think about it as an option for how they can improve themselves. So that's one thing that's super critical. Sales team. Because there are more individual relationships that are built between AE and SCR, for example, it is so wonderful when an AE takes an SCR under their wing and brings them to a demo. And when they're introducing the meeting, says, hey, by the way, this is the person who sent you that, that personalized email. They're going to sit on the call. They're learning. They want to become an, S an AE someday. So AEs, like, go the extra mile to reward your SCR for good work. Take them along in the process. Think about Mr. or Mrs. AE where you were when you were earlier in your career and what kind of advice or guidance or mentorship would have been useful to you and pay it forward and pass that down to your SCR. Because the better you take care of that SCR, the better you, you celebrate their success and show them that you're invested in their growth, the better work product you're gonna get from them. So it is selfless in some ways, it's also somewhat selfish, but if you can do that, you're, you're gonna have a much more fruitful relationship. Man, I have a feeling you're going to get a lot of job applications after this interview airs. You sound like the kind of leader people would be really excited to work for. I, I uh, hope so. I hope so. I, I would encourage people to reach out to people on our team and, and just um, get a sense of what the working style is. And not necessarily to throw your hat in the candidate ring, but rather to be inspired for how you can do this work yourself. I, the things I'm, I'm talking about right now, Nate, I've learned from the people I'm working with. This is not like from, from me. This is organic, bottoms-up evolution of how we've run the team. So I really strongly encourage people, reach out to people on our team. They'll be happy to talk to you. And if people wanted to learn more about you and what you do or, or keep up with you in the future after this is all over, um, where, where would they be? Where, where's the best way for them to keep in contact? Yeah, so if you're interested in learning about Clary, what Clary is is Clary is the only revenue platform that is purpose-built to run revenue to allow CEOs, CFOs, CROs to answer the hardest question in business, which is, am I going to meet, beat, or miss on revenue? There are other sales technology, revenue technologies out there. Clary is the only one, again, that allows you to truly run revenue like process.
So check clary.com out if you're interested in that. For me, um, I'm only active on LinkedIn. I still don't exactly understand what TikTok is. I'm afraid I would make a fool of myself if I even tried. So I'm Kyle Coleman on, on LinkedIn. Um, say hello. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time, Kyle, and for your, your wisdom and experience. I learned a lot during the session, and I'm sure plenty of other people will learn a lot as well. Thanks so much, Shane. If you enjoyed today's episode with Kyle and you want to get a better understanding of how to optimize the performance of your AEs and SDRs, then Closed has a special offer for you today. If you go to freebuyerinterview.com and fill out the form on that page, we will conduct a free interview with one of your recent Closed One or Closed Lost accounts. And the goal of that interview will be to figure out what exactly your sales team did that either positively or negatively impacted the outcome of that deal. That'll give you the opportunity to double down on your strengths and to fix your weaknesses, which should in turn elevate your win rates and help you generate more revenue in the long term. If that sounds like something that you're interested in, just go to freebuyerinterview.com.